Well, the last half hour, we were talking to Tristan Hopper from the National Post. Uh, we finished off by talking about what's happening in Nova Scotia. It all comes out of this mass uh, casualty inquiry that's going on in Nova Scotia about uh, the April 2020 shooting deaths of uh, 22 people in Nova Scotia, the worst mass shooting in modern Canadian history. And one of the things that emerged from that um, inquiry was the notes of a RCMP superintendent in Nova Scotia. And in them, he talks about the fact that uh, not long after, about a week after uh, the shooting itself, uh, that there was pressure on him to uh, from the RCMP commissioner in Ottawa, uh, who then mentioned that she was uh, acting against, according to something she, that she had promised to the uh, public safety minister's office, Bill Blair at the time, and the prime minister's office, that they would mention the kinds of weapons that were used in the mass shooting uh, because it fit with gun control legislation that the Liberals were looking at passing. In other words, uh, political pressure on an, off, on an active investigation. Now, of course, uh, Brenda Lucky says that didn't happen. The RCMP commissioner, Bill Blair, says that doesn't happen. Well, the Conservatives today want an investigation into those allegations of political interference. Um, they are saying that... Uh, that in fact, this was all about politics, all about impending gun legislation. Here is opposition, interim opposition leader Candace Bergen. And the reason she did it was because she had made a commitment or she had been pressured by the Prime Minister's office and or the Public Safety Minister's office. We believe uh, Superintendent Campbell. This is uh, disgusting to know that the Prime Minister and his office would use the death of Canadians for his own political gain. Now, Public Safety Minister, the current one, Marco Mendocino, says the allegations just aren't true. It's important to look to the unequivocally clear statements that were made by the commissioner of the RCMP who said at no time was there interference on the part of the government. You also heard my predecessor, Minister Blair, Blair state very clearly that there was no uh, interference on the part of the government, while at the same time exchanging information so that we could be as transparent as possible with Canadians. That is current Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino. Of course, the Prime Minister is overseas, so not in the House of Commons today, where this was a very heated topic, uh, the topic of much debate today in the House of Commons. Well, joining me now with more on this is investigative journalist and author Paul Palango. His latest book is a bestseller called 22 Murders, Investigating the Massacres, Cover-Up, and Obstacles to Justice in Nova Scotia, an expose of the deadliest killing spree in Canadian history. Thank you for your time tonight. Glad to be here, Ben. So let's try and make, I, I just try to make sense of this. We heard some pretty explosive, um, well, at least they were notes taken by a superintendent in the RCMP, and they make some pretty, some pretty damning allegations about what was going on in those days uh, right after the, uh, the horrific tragedy. Does it ring true to you that, uh, that, he's, that those notes are telling the true story of some political interference here? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the title of my book, you know, I, I went out on, people thought I went out on a limb, but I didn't, saying uh, the cover-up and the obstacles to justice in Nova Scotia. Well, this is one of the obstacles, political interference and control of the RCMP. And I think that Darren Campbell uh, has done a great service by taking these notes. Uh, you know, everything I know about him uh, we may disagree on certain things over the last couple of years, but I think he's a straightforward, old-fashioned cop from an old uh, uh, RCMP family. He's a multi-generational member, and uh, you know he believes in the force and the integrity of the force, good, bad, or otherwise. 
But in this situation, I think that he's telling the public that there's a serious problem here. What is that problem? And, and what would motivate uh, the commissioner of the RCMP, and she denies this, but motivate the commissioner of the RCMP so soon after this shooting spree to uh, to come along with, with something that sounded like it was going against what, what H Division in Nova Scotia was trying to do? It's politics. It's always politics, Ben. That what Canadians have failed to realize, I've been trying to point out for four books since 1994 on the RCMP, is the root of all evil with the RCMP is politics. In 1984, changes were made at the time based on the McDonald Commission report and its recommendations, which were kind of uh, wonky and filled with trickery that the RCMP needed to be controlled by politicians. In 1984, the commissioner of the RCMP was made a deputy minister in the Solicitor General's department. And ever since then, you have this trajectory downhill of loss of credibility of the RCMP and a series of politicized commissioners, the last one being Brenda Lucky. And they, they serve at, since 1984, the commissioner of the RCMP serves at is at the, the, the pleasure of the prime minister. The prime minister picks the commissioner and um, the commissioner is entirely um, um, beholden to the prime minister and the government. This is not the way a police force should operate in a modern society. And But most Canadians sort of just go, yeah, no, isn't this a good thing? No, it's not a good thing because the politicians basically control the police. And that's like a banana republic. Paul, it, it, perhaps for listeners, if, we could walk, if you could walk us through a little bit about what Superintendent Campbell was saying, because essentially what he's saying is that they weren't going to release, I believe, that they weren't in a position or at least weren't ready to talk about the kinds of weapons used. Um, but in fact, they were being pressured to do so. Uh, why would that be? And, and why would they be delaying releasing that information in the first place, do you think? Well, first off, the RCMP is an extremely notoriously secretive force. They hold everything close to the vest. That's their history. Other police forces find it very difficult to deal with the RCMP because of that. But go back to the first couple of days after the massacres on April 18th and 19th, 2020. When Prime Minister Trudeau made his first two statements, in his first two statements in the days afterwards, two things he focused on. One was we should not be naming this killer and sort of glorifying his infamy. The second thing he said is about guns and we need to get guns off the street, et cetera, et cetera. And, and uh, you know, restrict access to dangerous weapons. So that became sort of the coda by which the RCMP and commissioner uh, lucky was sort of governed. And I think they sort of told, they told, uh, H Division and in, in Nova Scotia that they wanted to know which guns were being used because they specifically wanted, the government specifically wanted to ban those guns. So it's like the government was waiting for an opportunity to strike and the opportunity pre- presented itself. And then it tried to manage the situation and make uh, the massacres a teaching moment, as it were, and an and, and excuse to basically seize guns. 
I'm not a, you know, I'm not a pro-gun guy by any stretch of the imagination, but it's quite clear that's what they're doing. The problem was that the RCMP could see from the beginning that the guns being used were imported illegally from the United States and had nothing to do with the legal tender of guns in Canada. And as Superintendent Campbell put it uh, in his notes, they were worried that by revealing the kinds of weapons being used, that it would in some way jeopardize the investigation, or at least what was already going on uh, multi-jurisdictionally with, uh, with police in the States as well. Is that, is that, is that ring true? Well, to a certain extent. I mean, the other side of this is there's more going on here than meets the eye. Um, the RCMP has said from the beginning that it didn't reveal any kind of information about Wortman because of this massive investigation that was going on that really doesn't seem to have amounted to very much. At the same time, the RCMP has, has uh, been caught in numerous stories I've done, and even in the book itself. Um, I've showed over and over again how they've destroyed evidence in the case prematurely by any stretch of the imagination, and they've lied about what really happened. So there's this, this other thing going on on another track. So it's, a very, it's not a straightforward story like the, both the RCMP and the government would like it to make. There's all kinds of complications. And that's one of the reasons I wrote the book, to put a narrative out there that sort of encompassed a lot of these uh, anomalies in the story and falsehoods of the story. So it, it's, not a, it's not an easy thing to dissect. Because coming out of this, essentially what was being learned at the commission yesterday was the communication failures uh, writ large, not just the pressure being perhaps put on uh, H Division by Ottawa to follow a certain political line, uh, but the communication failures right across the board. Does this suggest, does this point in any direction to where some of that confusion was coming from? I think it all traces back to Bill Blair, who was then the public safety minister, because it's quite clear that everything the RCMP doing, was doing and, and the entire response uh, has been orchestrated from uh, the public safety minister's office in Ottawa. The provincial government has said over and over again that we have no say in this, that Ottawa is running this. And that's quite evident if you look at the way the commission was set up with its, uh, th this notion that they were going to invoke restorative justice uh, to try to bring all the sides together in a mass murder of 22 people. They're going to bring all the sides together and have some sort of touchy-feely resolution. Uh, not going to happen. But it, it's all part of the mandate of the Trudeau government from the beginning when they appointed, uh, you know, when Mr. Trudeau appointed Brenda Lucky three years ago to be commissioner of the RCMP, one of the prerequisites for that was that she told, uh, you know, she, she promised that she would uh, make more use of uh, restorative justice and uh, promoting minorities and doing all the things that the government saw as politically uh, palatable. But all of this has come to backfire now. Like every single thing along the way here can trace, be traced back to Bill Blair and, and uh, Mr. Trudeau, in my opinion, uh, because three premiers of Nova Scotia have been questioned on this. Stephen McNeil, Ian Rankin, and the current um, premier, and Tim Houston, and all three of them say, well, we'd like to have more done here. We'd like to know more, but our hands are tied. Because the federal government basically has a gun at their head, saying that if you don't do what we want, you're going to lose this, this, and that. And that's what I've been told. 
I'm speaking with investigative journalist and author Paul Palanga. We're talking about revelations uh, yesterday at the commission into the mass murders, uh, the mass shooting in Nova Scotia uh, back in 2020 uh, about allegations that there was pressure, political pressure from Ottawa on H Division in Halifax to reveal certain information uh, about uh, the guns used in this horrific tragedy uh, to further a political agenda around gun control. When we come back a bit more about what needs to be done now, what should happen? We'll be back with that. I'm speaking with journalist and author Paul Palango. His latest book is called 22 Murders, Investigating the Massacres, Cover-Up, and Obstacles to Justice in Nova Scotia, an expose of the deadliest killing spree in Canadian history. We're talking about revelations at uh, the Commission inquiry uh, yesterday that uh, would suggest that there was political pressure from Ottawa, including from the Commissioner of the RCMP or through the Commissioner of the RCMP, uh, for uh, people on the ground, at least, to reveal more about the guns that have been used in the murders uh, in order to for- Toward Ottawa's gun control agenda. Uh, Paul, what, what needs to happen now? Because this seems like another blight uh, on at least the commissioner. Uh, again, she denies, so does Bill Blair. They deny any political interference here. Uh, but what needs to be done now? How do we get to the bottom of this? Well, there's been calls for a committee to look into this, an emergency committee. Uh, what do we need to know now? I think there should be an emergency committee set up to investigate this and get people's attention uh, you know, Canadians have basically sloughed this off and saying, oh, well, uh, it's all being handled down in Nova Scotia. But I mean, there are bigger issues here about the politicization of the police and um, getting to the root of what is really happened here. There's a mass casualty commission that was set up by the federal government largely, and they appointed people to head the mass casualty commission who obviously, you know, who, who apparently have uh, numerous conflicts, especially former Fredericton police chief, um, Leanne Fitch, who's a former, her parents are a Mountie. She's married to a cop. She was involved. Uh, she was the police chief on a number when Gabriel Wortman, the shooter was committing crimes in Fredericton. She was on the, uh, vice chair, a co-chair of the RCMP management advisory board when she was appointed. I mean, this woman has more conflicts than one could believe but she's there sitting on this commission. The commission itself is like fraught with uh, all kinds of issues now where families yesterday essentially called uh, one of the police witnesses a liar. And the commissioner said, uh, please stop that. And the family member, member, Nick Beaton says, well, what are you going to do about it? I mean, the insolence is growing. The disbelief in what they're doing is growing. Um, so we need an independent body to look at this situation And it's good to have politicians involved. I mean, in Nova Scotia, no politicians have said a bloody word about this in 26 months. At the federal level, no one has said anything because no one wants to deal with the elephant in the room, the state of the RCMP and the fact that it's an unsustainable police force. It's mismanagement. It has mismanaged. It has a broken culture. These are all reports by other people, not me. These are independent reports. Something has to be done. And I think that you know, the other thing that we have to see, Ben, is that look at this. It's got to the situation like with uh, the former minister, Renault Wilson, uh, when they raised issues about something going on, they're the ones vilified. You're seeing that today from um, um, Lucky's office and from um, Mr. Blair that Campbell misinterpreted what was going on. He didn't know what he was talking about. This way of throwing everyone else under the bus, 
to save the RCMP and save the reputation of government. Meanwhile, I think that things are getting so bad in the Nova Scotia inquiry, and it's becoming obvious that the problems of the RCMP are being exposed against, even with the best efforts of the MCC to contain things, that uh, it looks like to me like a move was made to throw the commissioner and the prime minister under the bus. Because really, I, I think how, the how, how would that work? Well, I think that Campbell coming forward and saying this, I think the timing of its release is very um, um, interesting because in the last couple of days, um, Frank Magazine, for example, had made an application to have videotapes um, of the shooting of Wortman by the RCMP released. They were finally released after much fighting on Monday. And those, those videotapes, to my mind, show that what the RCMP official story was is not true. It's not backed up by the video evidence. But as soon as that came out, this came out. Right. So there's, there's all of this going on. And this is the old thing that goes on with RCMP stories and other sort of government uh, controversies. It's the old uh, deflect Delay and deflect, you know, delay and right. deflect. Something comes up, as you, we've talked about earlier, a shiny object suddenly comes up and the media goes off and chases that shiny off, that shiny item, but they're not looking at what's going on in Nova Scotia. Like the shooting of Wortman doesn't hold water, the RCMP story. So I find this not surprising. In fact, I've written an article about it today that will be published later tonight. Um, last question for you. Does the commissioner survive here? Would it make a difference if she stepped down? Well, that's the other thing that the rumor mill has been hot for the last three to four weeks that um, Lucky went on a, a uh, post-retirement vacation a couple of weeks ago and was out of the country and that uh, she's on her way out anyways. So it's a good time to sacrifice her and get rid of her. I, I think she's toast. Others think she'll survive. But, you know, we're not going to miss her. You know, Ben, this happened 26 months ago. The worst massacre in Nova Scotia. All kinds of questions about the epic failure of the RCMP. And not once in the last 26 months has Brenda Lucky come to Nova Scotia and said anything to the people of Nova Scotia. So good riddance. Paul Palango, thank you for your thoughts tonight. Thank you. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.